Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 300 speaker files. Links for you to subscribe to the podcast and a place where you can donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Mike. <laughs> Good evening, everybody. I'm Mike. I'm a compulsive overeater. I just want to start out by uh, congratulating all the chip takers tonight, and and happy birthday, Mickey. That's awesome. And welcome to the newcomers. Seriously, keep coming back. Uh, This program saved my life. Um, So I just want to start off by saying what I heard a lot when I first came in was that um, I that most of us don't have a food problem, we have a life problem. And, you know, we use the food to fill the, the void and, and the, the hurt that's within us. And, you know, for me, my life problem started in the womb. Um, and it, and uh, I have 40 minutes, so... Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, my, my mom told my dad that, that she was pregnant and he freaked out. And, and that made my mom anxious. And all of a sudden, I was a little baby in the womb filled with anxiety because um, I was just in an anxiety-driven atmosphere. And I think that really is when things started to get messy for me. And, um, and really, um, when, uh, when I came out afterwards, my... Uh, <laughs> You know the way the way that uh, the way that I related to my family and the way that I related, um, especially to my father, was through food. Um, my my dad is is a huge compulsive overeater. I mean, to the point where um, later in life he he actually uh, was at a, a buffet and he took twelve uh, dishes of food and ended up in the hospital and he thought that was funny. Like, he, with a tube down it. So he's like, oh, yeah, I ate too much. Okay, right. But um, the point is, is like, that's the way that I would connect with my dad, was that my dad would, would go up and take seconds, thirds, fourths, fifths, like, no kidding. Like, I just had, like, regular dinners and regular lunches. And, you know, and as a way to, to like, bond with my dad, it's like I would take seconds, thirds, fourths, and fifths. You know, I want to be part of the, the in crowd. And, uh... And that very quickly turned into a weight problem pretty early on. Um, you know, I ended up being like kind of the, 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 the fat kid in school and um, getting teased a lot and, uh, and you know, people calling me fatty and that was, that was not nice. And, uh, and it, was, uh, it, was, it, was really, it was really difficult um, growing up. And so... Um, kind of jump jump ahead a little bit here. So this was this was a this was a uh, this was a problem obviously from very early on. Um, so I would say um, you know I, I met I met my my who's now my wife um, about a month before I got about a month after she got into program, which of course is a bozo no no I guess, um, but we. Uh, you know, she told me that she was in OA. I mean, I'd actually, you know, I, I 
I didn't really get it. I mean, I knew a little bit about it, and I had actually come into these rooms as a kind of as a joke in a way because I had researched for a story I was writing, so I was researching LA, and so I I came in here and I and I didn't take it seriously, and I kind of made fun of it actually. Um, so, but you know, my wife was was in the program for about I think about three years, and and she was really good. I think she she knew that I that I had a, that I had an issue, but she was really good about not you know, pushing it on me and, 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 and telling me what I should be doing. Um, but what happened was is that over the course of these three years, things uh, progressively got tough for me in my life. I mean, my life problems were getting bigger and bigger. Um, I, had, uh, I, had, uh, I had this sort of pretty big career that fell off a cliff and that put me into two and a half years of unemployment. Um, and uh, and then after I met my wife, uh, my best friends decided they didn't want to know me if I wasn't single, so they broke up with me, um, which left me really in a in a in a in a spiritual and an emotional and a mental abyss. I mean, I was really floating out in the middle of the ocean with nowhere else to turn. And on top of it, I I was turning to food, especially turning to food after 10 p.m. Um, you know, that I would be in the cupboard between 10 and, and 1. That was, that was my, my special time. Um, and especially, like, things out of bags, um, which, is, which was not good. So, so, I mean, at a certain point when I was really at the end of my rope, uh, you know, my wife gently said, you know, why don't you try this, this thing? And, uh, and I went in, I came into these rooms, and... Uh, and I really, especially, like, as a guy, I have to say, like, at that time, there wasn't a ton of, of male faces in those rooms, and I felt, I had a lot of shame about it. I had a lot of shame about being in these rooms, and particularly having, you know, the, this food issue, um, and, and not feeling like it was a very sexy problem. <laughs> I, I, wanted a, I, wanted, I wanted a much sexier problem. But, you know, being Jewish, it's hard to have those problems. <laughs> I would stop that. Um, so uh, so I, would, I was in these rooms, uh, and I, what, what would happen was I would sit in the back, I'd pull my, I'm always wearing a hat back in those days, and uh, for those of you that remember, um, and I would, like, pull my hat down, and I just, like, didn't want to say anything, and I really wanted to be invisible. And I, I just really, I, I didn't understand anything about, anything about the prayer. I didn't understand the steps. I didn't understand abstinence. I didn't understand the prayers that were going on. I didn't understand higher power. Um, I, I was just, I was very confused, which is a normal state for me a lot of times. But um, I, I really was. And, and so I didn't, I was not a participant. Okay, and then what, what happened was is that, you know, one day a woman who I'd never spoken to, or, you know, I'd seen at meetings, came up to me and was like, you know, I see you, I see you and you never raise your hand, you never participate in this program, I want you to make a commitment to me that you, at the next three meetings you're going to raise your hand, whether or not you get picked doesn't matter, raise your hand, and, uh, you know, my first inclination was like, I, no, but uh, I, I'm not going to listen to you. But um, but something something inside of me decided to listen to this this young woman. And the next three meetings, I raised my hand and I got called on all three times. 
and I spoke, and I was so mad, by the way, that I got called on all three times. But, uh, you know, but I spoke and I shared, and after every meeting, after I shared, at least one person came up to me and started to engage me and talk to me about what I was sharing about. And after these three times, all of a sudden, I, a light switch, it's like a light switch went off, or went on, or went up. Um, where all of a sudden, I started to feel like I was becoming an active participant in my own recovery. And that is the beginning of, of a really huge revelation, and which, you know, continues to unfold as I go through this program. Um, that it's so, so important to be an active participant in your own recovery. Um, because if I'm not willing to meet the universe halfway, then I am screwed. Because there's no magic pill. It's not all of a sudden going to like get hit by a thunderbolt and like, oh my God, I'm abstinent. Oh my God, I'm not going to have a food problem or a life problem. No, I actually have to do the footwork. And so that was the first moment in this program where I realized that, okay, okay, so now there's a community here and there is the possibility of change. And so what happened was um, I started to participate more and then um, I think about, it was about two months later that I got my sponsor. And... um, and the thing about my sponsor is, was, is, is that he's incredibly, incredibly loving and gentle and speaks to me in ways that I never, ever spoke to myself, ever. The way that I spoke to myself was a way that, you know, I would never speak to even the people that I, I despise the most. And I don't despise anybody except those that I do. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and I really, honestly, like, I really was offended by the way that how loving my sponsor, I, because I wanted him to just give me that whipping. Like, I wanted him to take that whip to me and be like, you're a bad guy. Look, because here's what happened. The first eight months of my, uh, when I, after I got my sponsor, I'd have, we, we came up with a very simple abstinence for me, okay? So my very simple abstinence, I only take one plate of food, because I did not want to go back to the seconds, thirds, fourths, and fifths that I learned with my dad. One plate of food. I couldn't eat after ten, because that was the, the, the dead zone for me. And no bread baskets, because that was also, I would, I would just, bread baskets were really like, I would have like three meals, and then I would have my meal. So, okay. So, you know, ver- very simple abstinence. And... I could not keep it to save my life. For eight months, I would have two weeks. I would have 30 days. I would have 60 days. I just, that was the most that I would get, that I had in in eight months. I just could not keep that abstinence. And, And it was like, and every time, every time I broke it, I was so angry at myself. I was so mean to myself. I, I, I just was beating myself up to no end. But God bless him, my sponsor just kept saying to me, Mike, you're human. It's going to happen. Tomorrow's another day. We'll start again tomorrow. We'll just start again tomorrow. And damn it, if I wasn't so angry at that response, I, I, 
I just felt that like if, if, I, if he kicked my butt, then I would get my abstinence. I would, he would, I would get it if he would just tell me what a loser that I was. And if something funny happened, something funny happened, is that the continuous love and compassion that this guy gave me all of a sudden started to sink in. And all of a sudden, I actually started to talk to myself in a nicer way, which was miraculous. Because I never talked. Honestly, from kindergarten, I remember talking to myself like, you fat, ugly bastard. Like, I mean, honestly, it, it it goes back all the way there. And all of a sudden... Uh, excuse me for that. It's not a curse. I don't think that's a curse. Um, <laughs> if you can say it on the radio, it's not a curse. Um, and all of a sudden, I started to talk to myself in this kind of general way. And wouldn't you know it, I started to get my abstinence. I started to, to, to get 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. You know, now I have, I have two and a half years. Of, of abstinence. <laughs> thank you, thank you, but it's, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with um, everything outside of me, honestly. Because, um, you know, n- not only did my sponsor teach me to be kind to myself, and by the way, let's, you know, I just want to be completely honest here. You know, this is not... It's not perfection. Like, I, I haven't, you know, there isn't, it, it, there isn't times when I fall back in, into, my, into my anger at myself days. Absolutely not. But, you know, uh, I think as, as my wife will say, will back me up on this, the, the times that that happens are, like, way less. And, and the times um, that it does happen, they last, they last a, lot, a lot less. Um, but, but the other thing, though, besides the being kind to myself, the other thing that really um, that really sunk in at first was this idea of, of having humility and being humble. And that's something that before I got into the program, I really had no humility. I wasn't, I, I couldn't be teachable. Like, I, I just was not teachable. I was a guy who, even though inside I thought I was the biggest piece of crap in the room, I also was the guy that you could not tell anything, and especially in my business. I was a nightmare in my business. I argued every point. I was the guy who, like, you could not tell, give me a note on my script because I would tell you you were wrong, and I was always right. I was always right. And it got to the point where, you know, people could not work with me because I was just not humble. And... Coming into this program taught me so many things about being humble. Um, you know, I, I don't know anything. I don't know anything. I really know that now. And, I, and I've, I approach things now in a way where I say, teach me, teach me. I probably don't know the right way. And, you know, just kind of to jump around a little bit, you know, like I said, I had two and a half years of unemployment. And... I came, and I came into this program, and, and I realized, you know, I thought those two and a half years were like the worst thing that ever happened to me. Let me tell you something. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. I never would have come into these rooms, ever. It wouldn't give, it, all I did was work. I lived, breathed, 
and 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 I don't know what else you can do. Eight work. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I really did. I mean, that was it was the be all and end all for me. It gave me my purpose in life. Being unemployed for two and a half years gave me the opportunity to take a look at who I was, what was going on, and most of all, bring a spiritual component to everything. Bring in a spiritual component. You know, like my, like my sponsor, you know, used to say to me at the beginning, it's just like, well, where's God? Where's God in this situation? Well, where God is in the, in the two and a half years of unemployment was to teach me, teach me how to have a better life. And how not to think that I'm the smartest person in the room. And that I'm not the guy that knows everything. And I have to say that coming out of those two and a half years of unemployment and, and, learning, and learning that, I, that I'm not that guy actually got, actually got the best job I ever got, ever, ever, in my business. And that's not a mistake. Because on the road to that job, right... I was getting rejected and rejected and rejected and I was getting, I was getting, you know, really frustrated. But I started, you know, learning about this thing called, you know, rejection is God's protection, which I never heard before. And at a certain point, I actually started to believe that. And I got to the point where I did turn to my wife at one point and said, you know what, if I never get another job again, I'm actually going to be happy. Like, I know that I'm going to be happy. I don't know how. I don't know what's going to happen to me. But I know I'm going to be happy. And then two weeks later, I got the best job ever of my career. So, you know, is that a coincidence? 100% not. No. Of course it's not a coincidence. Because I finally was able to let go of my will. And my will was the thing that got me in trouble every single time. Every single time. And so, what I learned in these two and a half years was let go of my will, stay present, because that's something that, you know, to this day that I, that I definitely struggle with, but, oh my God, it's like night and day. Because I was always living in, I mean, this is ridiculous, but I mean, I mean really, I would hold on to resentments like nobody's business. I would hold on to resentments three, four, five years. And, you know, a story I like to tell, it's like this guy, my first job in, in the business, like he, the guy was a jerk to me and I, he fired me off that job and I swear, seven, eight years I held on to this resentment. I said, I'm going to get him that, I'm going to get him back one day. Well, seven, eight years later, I get in a room with him. He didn't remember. He had no idea. He didn't remember anything about that time. It was, it was nothing to him. And we ended up doing business with him. And at that point, he had given me the greatest deal that I'd ever had. Like, this guy that I held a resentment on for seven years ended up, like, making my life awesome for, like, two years. Like, <laughs> that didn't make any sense to me. But it started to make sense to me once I got into program when I realized that oh my God, I cannot take anything personally. Like, when things happen to you, they just happen. It's not against you. It's not because the universe is conspiring against you. It's just because it happened. And that comes down to acceptance. One of the hardest things that, 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 that was, the hardest things for me to learn is that my sponsor over and over again would keep saying to me, hey Mike, 
What's that thing again that you don't seem to get? Oh, you mean acceptance? Yeah. And let me tell you, um, that took me that took me a good, you know, even past that eight months. It took me like a real good year to understand acceptance, to really understand that where I was was exactly where I was supposed to be at that exact moment, and not to question oh my God, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Because I have spent, okay, yeah, I've spent a lot of years, more than I care to uh, think about, but I spent a lot of years thinking about shoulda, coulda, woulda. And let me tell you something. There is no God in shoulda, coulda, woulda. There is no God in that. When my sponsor asks, where's the God, I'll tell you, in those three words, it's not there. It's not there. Because you could just... I'm sorry, I could just spend years what I should have said, what I could have said, how this didn't happen, it didn't go my way. This doesn't matter. It's not, it's not your business. It happened because it was supposed to happen. It happened because the universe wants you to learn the lesson, however that may be. And sometimes that lesson has to get learned in a really difficult way. And that's really one big idea that, that I've learned over the past, you know, three and a half years of being here, is that every time I think something is like the worst thing that's ever happened to me, I get to take a step back and realize, there's a ghost. <laughs> uh, Elijah. It's <laughs> every time I think it's the worst thing that's happened to me, I realized that, oh, oh my God, oh my God, that no, this is placed in my path for a specific reason, for me to learn something. And that's been a hard lesson to learn, but, but, but I'll say that pretty much now um, I get it. I get it. And again, it's not perfect because, you know, perfection is the enemy of living. It really is, because perfection is bull. Is bull. I mean, it really is. I mean, there, there's no such thing as that. And, and the thing is, if, if you achieve perfection, then you've got nowhere else to go. You've got nowhere else to go. There's no fun in that. There's no fun in perfection. But there's, there's fun and mystery and God in the trying. In the trying and trying to figure it out. That's the fun of life. It's the fun of life of looking at what's in front of you. Look at the obstacle. How do, we, how do we get over that? Where's the God in it? What can we bring to it? And then how do we learn and grow and change? So, I mean, that's something that has been invaluable um, to me um, being in this program. So, okay, so, you know, other than that, I would just have to say that... Um, the other really big gift of this program is sponsees. And again, talking about being an active participant in your recovery, I mean, that means, for me, working all the tools of the program. And so that means, you know, calling my sponsor every day. It means talking to my sponsees every day. Thank you. Uh, it means bringing acceptance into my life. And it means trying to stay present as much as I can. And it means asking that question every time, where's the God? Where's the God in this situation? And if it's not there, then how do you bring it in? 
And I have to say, going back to the sponsees, it is such such a, a, a grand gift of this program. Because, like, at this point now, I must feel like my sponsees are teaching me more than my sponsor at this point. Um, you know, really going through, you know, their daily struggles and their daily trials and tribulations, it's such a gift of the opportunity to, to work with them and, and, and just know that every single thing that I'm saying to them, I need to hear for myself. You know, I have a, I have a particular sponsee who, you know, really struggles with, with God and what that means and having a, a power, you know, greater than herself. And, you know, in me trying to, to describe that, it really helps me every day to remember to bring God back into my life and bringing, taking that, you know, it's something, you know, um, she, you know, she has sort of a, uh, there's a, a negative tape that, that plays in her head. And, you know, and, it's, and, and I say to her, look, that's when you have to go back to the tools. That's when you have, what can you do when, when a negative tape is playing in your head? What are the things that you can do? And then when I go over that, those are the things that I need for myself. All, all those things. You know, we, got, we have to reach out to a fellow, text a fellow, find acceptance, find God. You know, find what our part is. You know, make a gratitude list. Um, find the things in our life that are working. And, you know, I have to say that before I came into program, what my big focus on was was on the things that were not working. That was my favorite, favorite thing, was to focus on the things that were not working. Look what I don't have. Look where I should be. Look what I didn't get. Look how I got screwed. Really? How's that helpful? <laughs> um, you know, like somebody was saying earlier, you know, that does not make you happy. That does not make you happy when you're focusing on those things. What does make you happy is focusing on the things in your life that are working. And you know what? When, when I was going through the early part of my two and a half years of unemployment, sometimes those little things that make you happy are little things. And when I had to make my gratitude list, I had things like, I live near the beach. I have a dog to take care of. I have a wife. You know, um actually live in a house that I own um, and sometimes it was just it was a beautiful Southern California day okay so I could so on those days I could focus that, that I actually had the capacity to use my legs and walk down to the beach and look at the ocean and that's all I had that day that's all I had but that was enough that was enough and there's God in that there is God in being able to use my own legs to walk down to the beach and look at the ocean because there's people in my life that I know who can't use their own legs and they can't walk anywhere. And um, I have to thank God for the fact that, you know, where I am today, right this now, right, right this second, that I have the opportunity to stand in front of all of you and tell you my experience and this is a gift. And um, I think that's all I really have to say. Except that for the newcomers, again, just keep coming back. This is a beautiful, beautiful program filled with miracles and magic. And sometimes that magic and miracle happens in a month. Sometimes it happens in six months. Sometimes it happens in 90 days. Sometimes it happens in a year. But it'll happen. You have to just keep coming back. And it'll happen. I, I, I promise you it'll happen. 
Um, so thank you very, very much for giving me the opportunity. So I guess uh, I, I can ask, does anybody have any questions or anything? Yes, I'm Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was always of the... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Thank you. How, how do I reconcile my pre-program religious beliefs and my post-program religious beliefs? I was always a very... Uh, I, the, the God part of my religion was always sort of nebulous to me. Um, I, I think my, my pre-programmed religion really consisted of rituals and, uh, and stories. Um, but, 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 the, but the real God of my pre-programmed religion was not present. I mean, I had a lot of issues with my, with my pre-programmed God, actually. I, I had a lot. I had tons of issues. Um, and uh, so... I think I was able to sort of keep sort of the rituals of, of that with, with the real connection once I came into program, the, the real connection that I had on a daily basis with my higher power, with a God. And, and, I, and I felt like there was really no class. If, if nothing actually made my connection to my pre-program religion actually even stronger. For, you know, I, I don't even know if that makes sense. And, you know, a lot of times I don't think, I can't even tell you why things make sense. I don't even try anymore. But, I don't know, I hope that answers your question. But thanks for asking a question. <laughs> Monica. Well, we got divorced. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> what? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. The question was, uh, how did my relationship with my wife change after I got in the program? It was interesting. I think we had a rocky road a little bit. I think, you know, when I first got into program, there was a little bit of, I mean, I'm just going to be honest. I mean, I remember her, like, at first, like, when things started to go kind of good, she was like, why do you, it's like, you came into program all of a sudden, like, you know more people, and, like, you're, like, just a social, like, talking to people, and, like, you know, I've been in program, like, three years, and I kind of, like, I, like, what's going on? Like, why are you, like, getting this? And it was, like, there was some, like, a little bit of weirdness, I would say. Uh, and, and then, and then, I think we kind of came together, and then we kind of had a very, very bad rupture in our relationship. We really did. We, we, things were not good. We, we had a really difficult time. And, but I think that, I think if we had not, it, I, I tell you this, not that I think, I know for a fact that we would not be together today. If it wasn't for 12-step, we would not be together today. I think that we both, because of the 12-step, had a better understanding of the human condition and a better understanding that they, there are ebbs and flows in relationships and that we came together for a reason and that God brought us together for a reason and that we're going to have problems because two people coming together are going to have problems. That's just a fact of life. I don't care how religious and how awesome you are. It's two people, two separate entities coming together, two autonomous people coming together trying to make it work. It's unnatural. <laughs> <laughs> and what we did though having the 12 steps okay brought us to a place where we were willing to commit and say you know what if this isn't going to work then let's give it a giant shot to see if it's not going to work and we both worked the program really hard we had a commitment to seeing if it was going to work and we really used the tools of the program in a lot of ways and I think a lot of that is compassion and being able to see the point of view from the other person. 
and really, you know, really being there for each other in times when we really didn't want to be there for each other. And, and you know, we had some very, very difficult times. I mean, I will not lie. We really did. And we have come through it, you know, uh, I, like I was telling another fellow. I, there were, we've been together seven years, almost seven and a half years. This is the best our relationship's ever been in seven and a half years. I mean, it's, cr- it's crazy. And like Eva Sheevan said the other day, it's like we're still getting to know each other. Like, there's still things that we're finding out about each other. And, like, that's amazing. Like, we're continuing to grow and change. And what's also amazing, listen, may not be for everybody, but to have both of us in programs and multiple programs is a common reference point. There's a, there's, a common, there's a common denominator that we have, that we're both committed to growing and changing and looking at problems and then looking at ideas and, and looking at them, approaching them from the same way, the same point of view. Like, you know, h- how, do we, how do we fix this? Instead of, like, running away and, and, you know, giving each other the finger and saying, I'm running away from you and you don't know me and you don't get me and blah, 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 blah. No, we're in there, we're in the trenches, duking it out. We're, you know, we're going to the 15th round. If we don't make it, it's not because we didn't try. Because God knows we tried. If we, if we don't make it, it's all her fault. So, thank you so much.